Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jasters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, Monday, April 23rd, 2018. I am excited today. Better turn the gain down on this microphone. Is that what they call it? The gain? Good to have you with us. As always, episode 153, Anakin Florian podcast. Hope you had a good weekend, kid. How you doing, man? I had a great work. I had a great weekend, man. Uh, it was awesome. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to see my dad who turned 80, but uh, everything 80. was good. 80, man. Can you believe that? 80, 80 years old. One of my idols. You Thank see, he has, he has very few. Dr. Florian has very few likes on Twitter, and a couple of them are mine, and <laughs> That, that's a source of great pride he for needs, me. He needs to tweet more often is what he needs to do. I he mean, does. I think yeah, now yeah. at 80, I think now is the time to, to turn the yeah. corner and start being a little bit more active on, machine. on social media. But yeah. happy birthday, Gus, Dr. Florian, avid listener of the Anakin Florian podcast. Uh, crazy weekend of UFC fights in Atlantic City. So that is going to dominate the show today. Uh, as usual, the fight's not without a little craziness, controversy, and of course our man Ray Longo, I, I can only laugh, right in the middle of all of it. So for the second time in three weeks, uh, we lead off the program with the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. And Kenny Florian you know, podcast. things were so much easier when it was just, you know, punch a hole in his fucking chest. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, dude, is this a bad joke? Is this a, is this a, is this a, is this a bad joke on me? What, what, what the fuck? Is they're going setting, on? they're setting you up, Ray. What's going I mean, on? This, uh, Kenny, come on, man. It's got to be something. But uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the New Jersey State Athletic Commission. <laughs> absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I cannot fucking believe what's going on, but here we go again, you know, here we go again. Well, obviously you have a case, and you and I have talked about this off the air, and when I say a case, I don't mean for any appeal, because I think as you put it, you're sort of dealing with a dictatorship here, but I just want to set up the facts just in case some of our listeners aren't aware. So a fight between your guy, Marab Davalishvili, excuse me, and Ricky Simone, and the fight goes the distance. The referee does not stop the fight during this fight, even though most people seem to believe that at one point Marab did lose consciousness or go out. And then after the fact, seemed like it wasn't the referee making the decision. A commissioner of some kind came in. The doctors flattened your guy out. As I watched the replay 10 times this morning, Ray, they wouldn't let him get back up. 
and then all exactly. of a sudden it ends up being a, a technical submission win for the other guy. I know they called it a TKO, but that's sort of splitting hairs. I guess the point yeah. is um, I feel like in some respects your guy kind of got screwed here, and uh, I don't think this commission did him any favors, and I'm not saying that because you're my friend. No, it's unequivocally – you're unequivocally right. It's another injustice to this kid. He made a conscious decision to put his life on the line and survive that choke. I mean, what he told me, let me just go through the string of events. He said when he got taken down, he got his stinger. So he couldn't really feel his left arm. There was a, like a pinched nerve. So he wanted right. to move his legs to let everybody know he was all right, which really is naturally like a skeletal pump. You do that to get the blood going back up to your head. So I think it's a two-way uh, street there. He's moving. He's conscious it's a short time. He remembers, you know, the, the bout. The, uh, Liam Kerrigan stops the bout like he should do, and that's it. It goes to a scorecard. You know what I mean? You could see Simon go on the tape. He's out, and then Marab responds right away, no, I'm not. But right. he told me he was in that choke. He felt the pinched nerve. He didn't want to get up right away. He wanted to take a break because if he got up, he felt he would have started wobbling all over the place. So he knew the fight was over when the ref separated them. And he was chilling out. And then when he heard that guy say that, he, he responds. And then he goes to get up. You see, he's a little wobbly, but he gets to all fours. The doctors come in. They tell him to lay down. He lays down. And then, you know, they're telling me now that the ref, you know, the ref uh, waved it off at that point. After, I mean, like 20 seconds after the bell, which is totally retarded. And then, you know, a couple of things. When I went to talk to... Uh, Liam, I said, just tell me what you take it. I'm not allowed to talk to you. I go, based on what? He goes, Nick Lumbo will not let me talk. So I go, what? I mean, Adolf Hitler's not letting you talk. This is how you <laughs> right. want to lead your life? Like you want to work for somebody who you're petrified of that you're not allowed <laughs> to speak? Why is Mark Goddard allowed to speak and Liam Kerrigan is not allowed to speak? Why is that? So then I see, I see Mark Goddard, who at least was man enough to come over and he did speak with me and Weidman. A little crazy. I'm not saying I agree with him, but I love the fact that at least we had a dialogue and, you know, I'll always respect him for that. And, and again, dude, this is like, I'm the manager, you're the umpire. We're not there to get along. You know what I mean? I'm there to argue. Right. It's like, a lot, you know, we went through this right. already. I'm not, I'm not there to be your friend. If you make a shitty call, it's a shitty call. If you make a good call, it's a good call. I, look, good I've never had any love loss with, with Dan Migliotti, you know, with some of the stuff he's done. But in the Khabib fight, I thought he called a great fight. You know, I'm not... It's not a personal thing. It's uh, if I think it's wrong, I'm going to say something. If I think it's right, I'm going to say something. So basically, God, it tells me he made the decision that the fight was over. And trust me, it's right. He said he has an autistic mind, which I have no idea what the hell that means. He told but you that in the moment? He, that's what he said to you? That He said definitely said autistic mind. I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, he said, trust me, he was out. And he said, Nick Lumbo didn't know the rules. He was glad that he was there to set the rules straight, that, uh, you know, he was unconscious after the bell, which, again, I, I, I if you can. He was moving, guy, though. Yeah, he was moving. If you could tell consciousness from ringside, from Kate's side, I'm going to read you something like even Nick Lumbo said. Marab was out. It was very clear from those at Kate's side. They could tell. The ref who was right there, he could Right tell. there. Liam couldn't tell, but the people at Cage side, they know that the guy was unconscious. That's a special power, man. Well, wait a <laughs> second. I, but, but here's the thing. How, again, I, I know we— for the, It was clear at Cage side he was unconscious. 
And I know Are we've you had fucking kidding. If you don't hook this guy up to an FM RI machine, you can't tell if he's conscious <laughs> or not. Right, right. That right. I think a lot of people, Kenny, and I'll let you get yeah. in here, but I mean, are jumping Kevin to the conclusion Lee, and determining a man's consciousness Lee, when nobody knows for sure. Exactly. You cannot determine that. These guys are it's a it's a it's again, it's a kangaroo court. They're gonna hear all of this shit. They're gonna go back, they're gonna spin it. It does you can't call the fight off thirty seconds after the fight. I mean, God had told me he made that decision. He was very clear about that. It was him. Well, uh, well here's I mean? here's the problem with this, Ray, is that let, let's say, uh, you know, I'm fighting John. John uh, knocks me out briefly Not for about right. a second in the second round, right? I get to the third. We go home. I end up, uh, you know, the, the fight yeah. ends. And then someone at some point from outside the cage yeah. says, hey, you know, you know, in the second round, Kenny was actually out exactly. during the – where do you stop this? Well, Where do you stop it? It's right. Was Kevin Lee conscious when he was doing the funky chicken in front of 10,000 people? Right. Did he want to move his legs like that? He was doing dance fever on purpose? Right. It's a, it's a weird, it's setting a weird precedent. And, and I know we've had people a, come in. Made, yeah. I know we've had people. Made a conscious Go decision with his life, with All his right. life, that he was going to survive that belt. Very aware when that fight was over, he went to relax and then the shit starts. You could see the guy's moving. So he's conscious. I mean, and if he wasn't conscious, call the fucking fight. Stop the fight. Well, if right. you thought he was unconscious, you're right there. Stop the fight. You know what I mean? It's it's actually retarded. It really is. And, it, you know, and I got, you know, a couple of lawyers reached out to me. I really never wanted to do anything like that because I, I, it's mm. not really me. But they're, they're like, this is horrible. You know what I mean? It's really bad. And I'm like. You know, the more I start talking about it, the more I might have to go legally and I want to get somebody. I'd love to see this guy up on court saying he's got a, a, an autistic mind and that he knew he was unconscious from 20 yards away while the ref, who should right. be making the call and talking to everybody, is silenced by a dictator. Hey, this is crazy. Why can't you talk? Man to man was sitting here. I'm not, it wasn't like a, a, like a hot-headed type of thing. You know, maybe his wife basically told me that, you know, you know, Nick, I mean, he'll punish the kid. I go, yeah. I, I 100% know that this guy will lose his job if he opens his mouth. I didn't even want to put him on the spot. At the end, I was like, dude, I'm with you. You called the fight off. That's all I need to know. Let it go to the scorecards. You know, now they're saying that he waved the fight off 20 seconds later. How the hell do you do that? I'm saying that guy wasn't conscious, that he still thought the fight was going on. He sees the doctor say, you know, he's not good. And then he waves his arms just as a natural reaction. The fight's over. That's ridiculous. Uh, maybe it's ridiculous. Goddard maybe Goddard with his accent was saying artistic mind. No? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Anyways, listen, uh, what, do you guys, what do you guys do about this then? Are, are you going to say something? What did Sarah say about this? Uh, let me tell you something. First of all, Sarah was so happy he got in the Hall of Fame. He was... <laughs> we don't want to ruin <laughs> He didn't care. Le He's like, Listen, you know what? I'm a Hall so of Fame. Good, there were so many good things about this night. Even Marab, even in, you know, getting a screwy decision. The guy chased that guy around the ring for 14 minutes straight with the That's same crazy. energy he had the first 30 seconds. So hats right. off to him. Aljo went out, had a great performance. Matt Sarah got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Look, we're all good, man. This is just a natural byproduct that we have to do. We have to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, so is it is it more the call or the consistency of this that, that bothers you, Ray? Because right now it's like for all the coaches and fighters out there, people are scratching their heads going, what the hell just happened? What, yeah, what's what happened? the rule? I, it's, it's both, Kenny. And, and who knows? What about the other rules? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is the other set of rules, is it the same as these rules? We're going back to that again. 
These are guys with big egos. They can't get along with each other. You know, I'm kind of saying now, I think Nick's been through a lot of shit. I like the guy. He's an intelligent dude, but I don't think the job's for him anymore. I don't think he could take the adversity and the pressure and all of that shit. I really think it's killing him. And like, again, he's got a nice wife and all of that shit. I just think it's just get the fuck out. I don't think you could do the right job in this state of mind. There's too much shit going on. You know what I mean? He lost his job with the ABCs probably bitching about. and It's just too much crap. Get the fuck out of there. This this thing stinks. For me, it's just a Monday morning, you know, shooting the shit with you guys. You know what I mean? I'm very upset, of course, but I'm gonna I'm as of tomorrow or Wednesday, it's over. You know what I mean? Right. We'll talk about it. Hopefully we can make a decision, you know what I mean, and, and and go forward. Hopefully there's some integrity in the in the athletic commission and they overturn this. They look at the tape, which is very clear what happened, and consistent as shit with what Marab says, you know. Right. But to those at cage side. They could tell. They could tell that. What's the point of having a referee in the cage if someone from outside the the cage is going to make the call? call. I don't get it. This is the inconsistency. I don't get it. Like a a referee sitting in the stands in an NFL game is going to come in and be like, hey, guys, you got it wrong. I saw the replay. This is what's going to happen. Exactly. I mean, it's really, really bad. That guy made a conscious decision to put his life on the line to get that W and succeeded, and they ripped it away from him. And and, and to that and to that credit, I applaud the UFC for giving him the bonus because, you know, he's going to go back to Georgia. He wants to bring money back to his family. This guy is a good kid, man. This guy, even the way he acted after the fight, the guy's going to make me a better person. He really will. He's definitely going to make me a better person. I watch the way he handles himself. He's grateful to be here. He loves fighting. He's He stands for all the right shit, and he's, he's right. We're... we're we're too convoluted with all the fucking bullshit and the TV time and who's doing this and it's a right fest. They don't care about it. If you cared about that guy's safety and you thought he was in trouble, stop the fucking fight. Well, right. Really and there's so, so you many you wanna, different you make the ways. Call after the bell rings. That's what you want to do. Make the call after the bell rings. The well, guy's and, legs and it wasn't. The kind of told me he thought he was removing the hooks. It never, ever was that. Even when I was talking to Mark, I go, Mark, I think you should talk to the fighter. You're, you're not making sense. He never tried to remove any hooks. He was down there for 45, 50 seconds. He was just showing you that he was all right. Why didn't Liam stop the fight then? He could have stopped it anywhere along the line. He knew the guy was conscious. He was right there. Yeah. Well, he, I, he I went back and watched that, it. He, yeah. Go ahead. Just give me a minute. I, I went back and watched it five or six times. I took notes. I talked to two elite MMA referees this morning, neither of whom were willing to come on the show today, but I got all the information that I could at about the 56-second mark, right, when Marab fails the takedown, he hits his head on the canvas. And at that and point in time, yes. I am of the belief that at that point in time, Marab was unconscious for however long, right? The ref checks to see if he's out. Now, it's okay if we disagree on that. It's really neither here nor there because the referee – yeah, Marab's actually saying that he heard his head. That's where he got the stinger. He said, well, right, as soon as exactly. he down, yeah. I'm so the him. ref checks to see if he's out. He makes no ruling at the time. You know, exactly. he was a little bit out of position, but then he gets in position, still made no ruling. And for the final 35 seconds of this fight, despite what a lot of people are saying, my opinion is, having watched this 10 fucking times this morning, I got better things to do. The last 35 seconds, Marab was there. He was with it. He was no kicking his legs because that, in my opinion, 
was the only way for him to alert the referee that he was still there instead of exactly. having to keep yep. giving a thumbs up when he could use his yeah. hands yeah, exactly. to actually right. fight exactly. hands, you know? Exactly. So I'm more on your side having watched this a bunch. But the final thing I just want to say, and then, Kenny, feel free to fire away, is they, they didn't call this 10 seconds after the fight. I found no video evidence of the referee waving his arms. So maybe on Fight Pass, there's an overhead ca overhead camera that has the referee waving his arms. But even if he does, it's 30 seconds after the fact. The referee was strong-armed by someone, Goddard or Lembo or whomever exactly. else. The doctors are laying him back down when he's trying to get up. So, hey. Like, I can understand people saying the right guy won because maybe at some point in time, Marab was unconscious. But if I'm Ray Longo, like, I am livid. I am maybe not letting my guys fight in New Jersey. And at this point, I'm fighting. And I know you've got better things to do. But at this point in time, I don't know that you have any other recourse. The inconsistencies are a joke. And I feel like in almost any other state on Saturday night, your guy wins that fight by split decision. I'm a, I couldn't agree more. With you. And again, two lawyers reached out to me. Said they'll take the case for free. They think it's really a bunch of horse shit. And like again, I told you, I, I you know it, I, I declined both, but I'm I'm really starting to reconsider because I'd love to get some of these guys on the stand and just they'll 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 fall apart. I mean, if you want to if you want to say I've talked to some medical people, if you want to say you could call a ref, not a doctor, but to those at cage side, I mean, a non-medical expert. Yeah, they could they could tell he was unconscious. I think that's pretty cool, man. I really do. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, if you could do that, you should be, you're a superhero at that point. And it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, like, again, let Liam talk. He's the referee. Why is God even in there at this point? You know, why do they do this all the time? But it's right? weird and that you, a referee can stop the fight because the bell ended. The bell the bell goes, or, or you know, the yeah, buzzer sounds. He puts his hands on the fighters and tells them yeah. to stop. And, 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 right, the fight is ended by, by the round. Right. How, how do you stop? Again, I, no, one can, no one can right. really explain that when you stop it, right? right. The, the fight is ended. The referee stopped the fight. And then 20, 30 seconds after they say it's a knockout or a technical submission? Horrible. Horrible. And, and both fighters horrible. are moving? I don't, I don't understand how that is possible still. And, and I've heard, you know, guys like Big John McCarthy was on Twitter kind of explaining the situation. It still doesn't make logical sense, though. But, the, Kenny, nothing, how that they can do happen. Makes, nothing they do makes logical sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing they do. And they're going to take this, what we're saying now, they all go back and they spin it to their favor. This is what they do. Yeah, and referees been, are going to stick up for each other. I get that. Anything. Yeah, right. But it's right, not... you're not going to get a referee to go on the record and say that they would have stopped the fight at that right. 54 second mark because Liam didn't, and they want to support their brethren, which right. I understand. Right. Exactly. I have why, a million why questions. Is guy, why is the guy not allowed to talk? Well, I mean, that? I I don't disagree with you there. Uh, I don't disagree with you there. I know some of the referees are going to make some appearances later today. But again, I talked to two high-profile referees who respectfully declined to come on the air. I have so many questions for Kenny on this because he's been in the octagon. Ray, Aljo's actually going to join us here in about 10 minutes. So uh, we're certainly going to give Aljo his due. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. But I just feel like Kenny, like the referee, he's too focused on the face and not the limbs, right? I mean, I just feel like ultimately there's referee indecision that is a big part of this. The referee wasn't super urgent to me, and I think he, he deserves to be criticized from a fighter standpoint, Kenny. Yeah. I mean, what what do you feel uh, was the biggest, you know, error in all of this madness? 
you can't stop a fight because of the time ending and then make a decision after that. Yeah, I agree. You, you just simple. can't do it. You very can't do simple. it. Otherwise, otherwise we're going we're gonna to go and do it. You know what? At a 1 minute and 33 seconds of the third round, uh, I thought you were knocked out. Someone from outside the cage came exactly. in and told me that you were knocked out. So you know what? Sorry, dude. You lost the fight. And, and again, you, know? you can't be saved by the bell. There's an old boxing thing. If you get knocked down and there's five seconds to go and you got to survive the 10 count, you can't. That makes sense. Right. You can't yeah. get saved by the bell. He didn't get saved by the bell. Exactly. He purposely made a decision to wait for the guy to separate him and then take a break. Period. Correct. The There's no for, argument. The guy's getting There's... choked for 50 seconds. Get the doctors in there. Make sure he's all right. He survived. End of story. Yeah. Have he was conscious away? at the end of the I'm fight. Saying that, I'm saying if Liam waved it off 30 seconds after the fight, it was involuntary. That yeah. he just he thought it was the fight was still going yeah. on and he's just doing what he normally does. And John, there needs to there needs to be some kind of clarification, something definitive, because I don't see anything in the happen. rules. I don't see anything in the rules that says that that can happen or that can't happen. Like make it consistent and make it known to to the fighters and the coaches first and foremost. And how about the fans watching that? I go, what the hell was that? Right. What am I watching? Look, and nobody yeah. knows what's going on with these guys. And just to show you that I'm fair, and I'm not that I'm, you know, I don't give a shit anyway, but, you know, even like with that two hands down, like they, they went to the one hand down. I think it worked great that night. You see guys going to knee, but they stop because they see the hand down. So I think I'm going to applaud them on that. I think that's still a good rule with the one hand down. So it's not. Well, we know the rule. Right. Right. We actually know the rule. <laughs> it's, exactly. You know what I mean? It's you know, at least right. you may not agree with it, but we know the rule for this. No, Mark, we don't Mark even God know what, what's going on. Believe, Mark God led me to believe he was the only guy that knew the rule. He said Nick didn't know. He was glad he was there to tell him what the rule was. That is the guy who I thought wrote the rules. Right. In, in New Jersey. I thought he was the guy that was behind making the rules. Yeah. But Mark God had made the decision for him. I, I don't yeah. know, man. I, I, mean, I really don't. And if I'm wrong, Mark, you know, you know, come on and tell me I was wrong. But, I mean, I think you did say you had an autistic mind. I don't know if that means you have autism. I don't know what that means. But, yeah. you know, well, no, if, if he's wrong, a high-functioning autistic. But I think Weidman was right there. And I did try to get him. To, I, and, again, I do appreciate the guy even coming over and talking Seems like a seems like a decent dude, but I, I can't agree with him. That's that's the problem. I don't care if he's my brother. I can't agree with him. Well, the last thing I'll say on this is that if my eyes are accurate, it seemed to me like the doctors laid Marab back down and they called the fight against him shortly thereafter. It's just a bizarre sequence. And, you know, you, I don't know. Those overhead cameras might tell tell a different story, but the whole thing just no, seems totally bizarre. And, Kenny, to your point, there are a lot of different cases in UFC history where there are guys at the end of a round. I mean, this you're opening up a huge can here, you know. That's what, what about, I'm saying. What That's Anderson what I'm saying. Silver, hey, so Anderson next time – yeah, uh, I know. Hey, hey, listen, and next time someone gets knocked, someone gets knocked down, or a round ends, and both guys are exhausted, or whatever it is. If a doctor yeah. comes in and holds you down, that means exactly, you lost the yeah. fight. The yeah, doctor exactly. can pin you for the win. What's going yeah. on? I mean, I don't think I don't think they're they're passing it off on the doctors because it's too far <laughs> after the fight was over. Yeah, you know they have to assess the guy, so I I don't think they're stupid enough to do that. But I'm saying Lee, Liam, I don't. Th I was led to believe Liam did not make that call. Uh, God had told me it was absolutely him. I think he made that very clear. That he well, even if, and he was happy he was there because nobody else knew the rule. 
Well, even if the overhead camera shows that Liam waved his arms, it was probably after a conversation with someone that strong-armed him to do it. And again, you know, we tread lightly, Kenny, obviously, when it comes to criticizing anybody, athletic commissions, referees, certainly fighters, right? Uh, We have a lot of respect for everybody involved in the sport. None of these jobs are easy, but certainly gave gave us an opening segment here. All right, we got Aljo in five minutes, so I got to get your thoughts on – on, go ahead, go ahead. What do you got? And real go quick, I, I want to applaud the UFC. They did give him the fight night bonus. And I think this is uh, an example of you got to take things into your own mind. I think these athletic commissions now, let them be like Uncle Junior and the Sopranos. Let them think that they're working stuff. I think Dana made a statement when they wouldn't let Al fight for the title because of two ounces. Right. He said, whoever wins this, I mean, I think we, you know, whoever wins this fight is the champion. I think we all, as fans and and, and everybody else has to just take it in and let them think that they're doing something because they're really not. They're really – they don't do anything they say they're going to do. If they were there to protect that fighter, Marab, that fight would have been stopped. If they thought yeah. that guy was out and you didn't stop it, then shame on you, buddy. You know what I mean? You were right there. You knew the guy wasn't out. Right. I, I have a tweet right here from one of our listeners. They're there to protect the fighters, not change outcomes of fights. No protecting the fighters involved here. Zero. It's not Definitely their job. Not. And, yep. they'll, and they'll go, oh, we're there to protect. They ain't there to do shit. It's a fucking right fest. They want to be right. This guy wants to be right against the other guy in the ABC now. he It's yeah. a shit show, buddy. It's a fucking shit show that if the public actually knew what was going on, they would be disgusted with these guys. They're disgusted. It's not even about... Make it, it's not even about money. It's about ego. Who's right? right. Who's wrong? Who's right? And letters? Who's chance? Oh, my God. You, you have no idea what's going on. And they keep it that way so that everybody's in the freaking dog. It's crazy, man. Um, all right. Well, let's a- end on a, a little bit of a lighter note. Matt Serra, 2018 UFC Hall of Fame and the man who's going to induct him. But, I just uh, wanted to know if you've started on your speech because you are you are the powerful inductor, the guy who is going to introduce and induct Matt Sarah into the hall. You you getting started? I got to tell you, I definitely am getting started. I'm thinking of some of the old stories. And again, it's uh, 25 years. I know this guy couldn't be happier for a guy. Again, what a what a good dude, man. I when I met him, it's 25 years ago. We've been laughing ever since. It's been a great ride, and I'm I'm so psyched to induct this guy into the Hall of Fame because, uh, you know, we've been through thick and thin together and, you know, we always handled everything with a sense of humor. And I, I, I love the guy, man, and always went into fight. But you know, even in his losses, man, he took it like a man. He never blamed everybody, anybody. He was always culpable, you know, win or lose. And, and that's what I respect about him. He makes the right call at the right time. I got some really good stories I'm going to share. And uh, I, I'm really psyched for this, man. I really am. Well, you guys are going to steal the show. Pressure's off of the host, man. I can't wait for, for Longo's speech and Matt's speech to follow. Congratulations on that. Big win for Aljo. We're going to talk to him soon, that. buddy. And, John, the fact that somebody's stupid enough to hand me the mic, look, shame on them. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> yeah, baby, well, let's you, get going. You can, be sure, you can be sure it will not be live on FS1. It'll be tape delayed so they can fucking clean up your act. No, it's all good. As I'm talking, I'm actually thinking of more stories. I'm, I got a pen in my hand. I have to write it down so I don't forget it. S- send a hug to Sarah on my behalf, man. That's I awesome. Well-deserved. Yeah. All right, guys. And, again, I hope we get to the bottom of this. This is a great kid who loves being in America, who they really wronged. And I, I think uh, it's, it's, it's a tragedy. It really is for no reason. Just go to the yeah. scorecards. Let the, let the judges decide what happened or call the fight off before. And I think it's very simple. No reason after he separated those guys for any other discussion except to make sure Marab was all right. 
And that's it, period. I don't think it's I think it's a no brainer. I hope they they find some integrity and they and they overturn this decision and let them do it again. If that's what Ricky Simon wants and that's what Marab wants, let them fight again. You know, yeah. period. I think I a rematch a makes a lot of anyway. sense. All right, man. Well, hopefully we gave you enough of a platform to share your thoughts today. Great job. And uh, keep us posted on your progress, man. Have a good week. And, and congrats on what overall was a big night for, uh, for Team right, Sarah Let me tell you something. I'm so proud of these guys, especially even with Alger. But last three fights, everybody came to fight. They're proving that these guys are tough as nails. They train the right way. They really put it on the line. And I, I really believe Al's performance with Khabib inspired both of these guys to go out there and just – fight to the fullest potential they have, and that's what they did, and I think they should be commended for it. As a coach, I can't ask for one other thing than that. I'm so proud of the last three fights, even though, you know, two of them didn't, you know, one of, I mean, one of them didn't go our way, and the other one we got robbed, but it's just, it's a, it's a pleasure to be around these guys and watch them grow and, and literally, like, again, fight to their fullest potential, and again, there's still a lot of room for growth. Marab has to change a couple of things. Obviously, he's a juggernaut. And Aljo's, I think, just starting to get the hang of it, which is great because when he opens up, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great time. So, hats off to Iaquinta, Marab, and and Aljo. I think they did the team solid by showing that Long Island is a bunch of tough motherfuckers, man. <laughs> no doubt about it, yeah. man. And they're keeping Longo young and keeping Ray Longo exactly, in the game. I mean, exactly, never did we man. think just when, when I wanted we, to get we... out. Just when I wanted <laughs> well, to get out, John. These guys are know. me back in. Sucking you right back oh, in. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll let you. Uh, we'll let you get out of here. <laughs> Ray, congrats, man. Good stuff. Right, thanks, thanks, buddy. Man. You didn't get robbed. You, you got marobbed. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, you got marobbed. Yeah. The guy should be two and zero in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, and, and congrats to your father, man. He looks great at that. That's uh, thank you. That's unbelievable. I meant to comment on that picture, but I'll do it now. <laughs> thanks, my man. Awesome, buddy. Take care, brother. Take it easy, guys. <clears throat> Ray Longo, minute. I mean, give Ken Flo the like on the picture of the doctor, <laughs> Jeez, for God's you sake. know? So uh, Jason Smith, one of our listeners, wrote on Twitter, I'm not scandalized by the outcome, but that's because Dabalashvili was out from the takedown, in his opinion, right? So I can understand that line of thinking. And largely, I agree. I'm not scandalized or losing sleep anymore, I guess, over the outcome, because ultimately a referee error allowed Marab Dabalashvili to stay in the fight, right? If you stop the fight after that takedown attempt went to most of our eyes, he was unconscious, then Ricky Simone is the winner anyway. I just ha have a major problem with the way this fight was handled at the end of it, and it's not just because Ray Longo is on our podcast every week. So um, I guess we'll leave it at that unless you have anything else, Ken Flo, but... Uh, just a, a crazy, and he mentioned too. I mean, Marav Dabalashvili is is zero and two in the UFC and should be two and zero. And I know the fifty thousand dollar bonus is nice, but yeah. in terms of career trajectory, you lose a split decision in your first fight. You technically, well, not technically, you win a split decision this night, and it sort of pulled out from underneath you. So uh, just crazy, man. I mean, just a, a a weird, weird situation. And in our sport, like we're so conditioned to the fact that we know we haven't seen it all, right? The, the whole cliche, oh, sure. just when you think you've seen it all. But in this sport, especially as a broadcaster, like selfishly, I'm sitting in my bedroom watching this fight card thinking like, I'm glad I'm not working tonight because I yeah. have no idea what the fuck's going on. Right. And, and, and the big thing, man, is, is that it sets a very dangerous precedent that if this is how we're going to judge fights going forward, if this is what, how we're going to determine who won a fight. Uh, if we think or someone outside of the octagon thinks that someone was knocked out, Right or wrong, and they come back, you know, they get 
you know, get their wits back or whatever, and the fight ends, and then, you know, they're continually doing this. I don't know, I don't know what to think. This is kind of a weird a weird thing, right? You know, Pat Barry and Czech Congo. If uh, Czech yep. Congo didn't knock out Pat Barry, are they going to go back and say, hey, listen, you know, we thought that uh, Congo was out in that fight. He, he lost that. I, you know, it's just I, I don't understand it. If that's the rule or if that's the way they're going to be doing this going forward, I, I don't agree with it. Yeah, and that's a great example because if replay was in effect that night, yeah. Then Pat Barry wins that fight because they go back and look at the replay. And in the replay, you'll see Dan Mergliato. No, it, maybe it was Herb Dean, I think. Right. I keep getting that referee Came screwed up. But stop, yeah. the, the referee, but even further, Kenny, you're right. He makes contact with Pat like yes. he he touched Pat. So Pat backed up. I mean, that was one of the all time right. biggest robberies that I've ever seen. And, and Congo, of course, rallied from there to knock out Pat Barry. And we still talk to, to Pat Barry about that. Um, we're waiting on Al Jermaine Sterling. You want to talk talk about Kevin Lee for a minute? Let's and, do and it. Sort of get, okay. I mean, how about this guy, man? And I know we are going to get to the fact that he weighed 157 pounds. And that, I think, for a top-level contender at this point, largely inexcusable. The weight cut starts months ago, as, as Michael Chandler wisely pointed out on Twitter. But, Kenny, this is a hell of a fighter and an outstanding athlete and to take out the best striker in the division in this way I think proved to a lot of people that Kevin Lee was no one hit wonder deserved to fight Tony Ferguson for the interim belt and is probably gonna get himself back to a championship situation here this is a, a special fighter in my eyes after what we saw Saturday night um, and especially given uh, Habib's performance over Edson Barbosa where you know, people were having a conniption over, you know, what Habib did and the kind of pressure that he was. How about a guy in Kevin Lee who put a similar kind of pressure, um, was able to get superior positions repeatedly yep. on Edson Barbosa uh, and showed much cleaner striking than Habib Nurmagomedov, right? Uh, and I'm not sure if he's the same kind of wrestler or, or whatever, or that maybe does the same kind of ground and pound, but it's very similar. It was the same pressure, and there's no doubt about it that Kevin Lee is a far superior striker than Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and that was my takeaway largely, and I thought he showed some evolution in the striking game. The jab was there, and just the physicality in taking Edson Barboza down. And again, yeah. Edson Barboza coming up on 20 UFC fights and 13 UFC wins. This has got to be a tough pill, Kenny, for him to swallow, I would think. You look at his last three losses against top-flight competition, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, and of course Kevin Lee, and he may go down as one of the best lightweights to never fight for a UFC title. He's lost three of his last four, I believe. Um, it may not even be that much, but when he's been up against the elite guys and they've been able to mix the martial arts the way Kevin Lee did, uh, he just hasn't had a lot of answers. Yeah, I think for Edson, he's a tremendous striker. You know, fundamentally, when he throws a certain strike, uh, there, there's no one who does it better than Edson. It comes down to footwork for me is that Kevin Lee was able to back him up more often than not in a straight line. Um, and that's not necessarily – that's Kevin Lee's pressure, of course, but Edson Barbosa, when he uses lateral movement, wasn't establishing a jab as he went laterally, as he moved laterally. So from that position, Kevin Lee's able to close that gap repeatedly. And as good as Edson is as a striker, he can be better with just some simple ideas as far as his footwork and how he utilizes his range to keep guys off of them. Um, and, and sometimes he kind of gets complacent and stays in the pocket when he doesn't need to or he backs straight up. Um, that's what I'm seeing from the outside in. And of course, you know, can his grappling be better? Sure, absolutely. Um, 
But, uh, you know, he, a lot of times he was tying himself into the game uh, with, with Kevin Lee. And, of course, I'm sure we're going to – I don't know if you want to talk about it later. I don't know if Aljo's waiting for us. But um, when he had Kevin hurt – you know, when you're losing a fight, you're waiting for that one chance, that one chance to take right. a guy out and hurt him. Well, he got that chance. That wheel kick was just phenomenal. It hit him right on the temple. It rocked Kevin Lee. What does he do? You, you finish him off with strikes, right? Right. No, he did not. He decided to get that front headlock. I don't know if he was looking for a Darce or a guillotine. But what he did is he connected himself to Kevin Lee. The one thing that Kevin Lee wanted there right. was for right. Edson Barbosa to just grab him or for him to grab Edson Barbosa. He just lost his chance. So yeah. it was unfortunate. Heat of the moment. You get excited. You're emotional. You're tired. You're not thinking clearly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate there for Edson, but uh, again, uh, a credit to Kevin Lee, who really was dominant in that performance. Aside from that, getting hit from that spinning wheel kick, um, boy, was that special. Uh, he, he put on a lot of pressure uh, and, again, reestablished himself as one of the top lightweights. All right, we'll get back to Kevin Lee and Edson Barboza in a minute, but now with us on the guest line, he is the number eight-ranked Bantamweight in the world likely moving up after a big win over the weekend as he bounces Brett Johns from the ranks of the unbeaten. The funk master Aljamain Sterling is with us. He is looking good. What's up, my man? Congrats on a big W. How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling great. I'm feeling funky. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I, I'm happy for you, man. I, I got to think those Aljo chants at Boardwalk Hall was a pretty special feeling for you Saturday night. Yeah, I, I did actually hear that while I was in the octagon. It was pretty cool. Um, we had a, a pretty big crowd coming out to support the uh, the Team Funk Bandits. We were in full force. <laughs> so uh, I got to think these are some of the best of times as a fighter, right? The week after fight week after a big win. I mean, it doesn't look like you're training today. Like, what does this week hold for you after a long training camp and a big win? Um. Well, there's a couple of happy hour spots I've been meaning to get to <laughs> for a very long there time now. <laughs> um, you know, just the usual. I'm still looking at new endeavors. I'm actually just finished my real estate course. I'm waiting to see what my test scores were for my FDNY exam to see if I got into the academy or not. And uh, kind of just just looking onwards and upwards with life, you know, you know, fighting is a means to an end. I just got to use it as a way to get me to where I want to be. Um, and outside of that, you know, life goes on. So it's kind of where we're at right now. I'm definitely going to be having myself a few drinks this entire week. I'm going to DR this Sunday oh, uh, good. for about six days with the lady. So, yeah, man, it's time to relax and unwind a little bit. Win or lose, man, I, you got to be able to take some time out for yourself. And this is such a grueling sport. People think we have the best lifestyle, but the training – that goes into this that comes with it the the highs and lows man it's uh you have to have balance in it because it can be one that can really drain you and take the fun out of the sport no and i hear that and you seem to be in the shape of your life you didn't need that stool between rounds but as for this fight i mean brett johns came in 15 and 0 he's talented he's physical you dominated the fight i went back and watched it this morning he did not get a lot of things done in this fight was this the type of fight that you expected uh, I didn't know what to expect. I thought I know Brett Johns was a tough dude, super tough on top if he gets you down. I know he had a couple of tricks in the jiu-jitsu uh, department, so I didn't want to give him too many opportunities to really explore those those rounds and seeing where we match up. Um, the one time he did shoot in, he got to my legs, got in on a deep shot, and I stuffed the position in the back of my head. I already knew him. Like, he, 
Yo, Chris, why don't you close the door, Weidman? <laughs> <laughs> but he he shoots in, he gets in on my legs, and I stuck the position. Like, it's just one of those things where we do it over and over and over. I knew he wasn't going to get the chance. Guess who's back? <laughs> Guess who's back? Oh, Jesus. He is <laughs> he's always, ah, see, he's always stealing the limelight. Oh, man. One after the next. Get Longo out of here. Did you turn the music off in there? Yeah. Oh, the music is off in there. All right, let me go in this room. Chris, Chris is giving me the boot, maybe because it's his gym. Messed yeah, I guess that'd head. be a good reason. We got to talk to Weidman, too. <laughs> no, we his wanna, we let that scar heal first, I think. Jeez. Yeah, but uh, I think I, oh, I think uh, I think I did uh, a lot of good things, though. Shut down a lot of his games and the stuff that he wanted to get done. And and uh, the funk prevailed. Uh, it's loud in here, too, man. The, the, <laughs> funk, the funk did prevail, man. Al Aljo... What, what was you, where was your head at? I mean, you were coming off a loss against Marlon Moraes. Um, you know, you were facing an undefeated fighter in Brett Johns. Uh, how hard was it for you to come back after that fight, after that fight against Moraes? Uh, it, was, it was an interesting one, you know. I never thought I'd be that guy who ever got finished. And um, here I was staring at that. And uh, it was a very interesting time in my life. You know, I try to keep in perspective. It's not like I went out there and got outclassed. I had to just keep everything for what it was. I went mm -hmm. out there, I made a mistake. I, I rushed to finish, and I paid the ultimate price in the sport, which is a knockout, you know? Nobody wants to get separated from the consciousness on national TV in front of millions of people. And on replay over and over again, I'm going to have to see that on his highlights every yeah. single time he gets ready to fight, you know? So right. uh, it's just one of those things, but comes with the sport and that's just pretty much what i what i told myself it, it is what it is it's in the past it's done already we're here now what do we do to get passes and what do we do to move forward and how do we make sure that never happens again and focus man what i've been doing my entire career focus i uh i lost focus in that fight and um yeah man it wasn't a, it wasn't a good turnout but skill for skill man, i think he had his his moments on the feet i had my moments on the ground and he, he rocked me by hitting me behind the ear. I lost my, my equilibrium. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't cloudy or nothing. Just lost my balance. And I was still able to latch on that freaking submission like a spider monkey. And um, that just I think that just shows my capabilities on the ground. I think when I get anybody on the ground, I, I have my way with them. So uh, I would love to get that one back. Well, it was a smart approach moving forward, man, and moving forward. Who do you want next? Is there, is there a fighter in mind? <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course there's a fighter in mind. <laughs> I want Dominic Cruz. Oh. And people say it doesn't make a lot of sense. You should fight John Dotson. One, who gives a – can I curse on this thing? Because who sure. gives yes. a fuck about John Dotson? Like, he doesn't fight. The guy, you chase him around for three rounds, and he gets split decisions every single time. He's not He's not a fun fight, and he's not a fight I'm, I'm looking to entertain whatsoever right now. Um, if that's the only option on the table, will I take it? Yeah, but I think there's more fun entertaining fights. I'd rather take a fight outside the top 10 to be completely honest and take that fight because I'm not sitting there to try to play the patient game with the guy for 15 minutes. There's nothing gonna, nothing's going to happen because I'm not going to rush into his game plan and he's not going to rush into mine. So what are yeah. we doing here? We're just going to stand there and look at each other for 15 minutes? Nah, i I rather pass. Um, but Dominic Cruz, he doesn't have a fight. Uh, everybody else in the top five is booked up. I want to fight all the best guys in this division. It's not a, it's not a knock on Cruz. I think he's going to look at this fight as, oh, well, he can't knock me out. Oh, well, I don't think he's going to submit me, so maybe I should win, take this fight. 
I can take my chances, win, and solidify my name as a top contender and get the next title shot. So I think that's probably what's going to go through his head. He thinks he's going to leapfrog everybody. Um, I think uh, he takes his fight. He's going to be in for a rude awakening. Aljamain Sterling with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And I think the fight with Dominic Cruz does make sense. I don't know if he would be interested, but otherwise you might be waiting a little bit. I mean, how do you look at the timeline for the rest of 2018? There are obviously a lot of elite bantamweights competing on July 7th. So maybe that card would make sense. So you could step into a big fight. If a Sun Sow is there needing an opponent or Cody or TJ, you also have Marlon Marais and Jimmy Rivera June 1st, but I wouldn't think that would be realistic for you to try to step in for one of those guys if they got hurt. I mean, how long are you willing to sit around waiting for someone like Dominic Cruz? Uh, honestly, I'm I'm gonna take I'm just gonna fight. I want to stay busy. I want to keep yeah. honing my skills. Um, people may think that's not the smart idea, but at this point in my career, I only have so many years left in this, and I if I'm gonna make a run, I'm gonna make a run. I'm gonna and the main reason why I think the majority of us do it is to make money. The belt yep. comes with the money. Um, so at the end of the day, if I can make some money, keep getting better, and make those little growth changes, I think by the time that title shot does come around, I'll be more than ready to uh, step up to the task and make sure my first shot will be the shot that I, I claim the gold. You, you've made so many great strides and a great tweet from Brian Caraway, your, your former opponent this weekend, talking about your patience and poise. Yeah. Last thing from me, man, you seem to be so inspired, I think more inspired than anyone, by what Ally Quinta was able to do in defeat against Khabib Nurmagomedov. And then you fought so soon thereafter. I mean, you just went in there so confident this week, and I'm curious how much that result and going through that experience as a corner man motivated you and helped you going in there against Brett. It was a huge motivating factor. You know, I, I live with Al. I train with Al. I know the things he, he does in and outside of the gym. Um, he knows the things I do in and outside of the gym, right? Uh, you know, so we both know that we don't just kind of just talk about it while the mic is in front of us and then go out and do different things behind when nobody's watching. One of my quotes are, uh, the difference is what I do when nobody is watching. And I truly do believe in that because those are the things that really make what, a, you know, make up a, a champion. Not when you're in the training room and coach is looking at you outside of the training room when coach isn't looking at you, uh, looking after you. Uh, I think those are the, the big key things that define who you are. And coming off of that, that you know, even though he lost, I think he put on a stellar performance on short notice, one day's notice. Uh, he gave Khabib all he could handle. Uh, completely different style. I know it was a different style for Khabib as well, but Khabib does what Khabib does to everybody. So there's no real change of game plan for him. But for Al, it was a complete 360 mm -hmm. of a game plan change. You know, we went from not wrestling in terms of uh, defensively to having to stuff you know, takedowns and address the takedowns. And if, there, if we had a little bit more time to prepare for some of those things, maybe if, if it happened earlier in the week, I think we could have made a couple more adjustments that could have possibly changed the first two rounds. And if you take away those two takedowns in the first two rounds, that's a completely different fight. Um, right. I think in that fifth round, when Al ate all those jabs, that's where most of the damage come from. It didn't come from the ground to pound. Um, you take away those jabs, he, he said he was a little tired. He said he just couldn't find like that second gear to hit because he was training for a three-round fight. So you give him more time, and he's, you know, Al's kind of notorious for blocking punches, jabs with his head, and just headbutting the fist and letting you know, like, come on, motherfucker, yeah. I'm, he I'm here. Uh, right. you know, I'm, the, I'm this New York badass, and, you know, you're in here with me. And uh, I think people feel something when they're in there, when, when they're in there fighting Al. He's, uh, he, there's no quitting that guy, and he, he, brings, he brings you a crazy pace. 
just looking to put that right hand on your chin. It's like a homing missile in that right hand. Um, no doubt. But yeah, it was it was it was cool to be in the corner, experience that walkout. I've never seen anything like that. I've never been a part of something like that. So that yeah. was huge for me. And knowing what he was able to do, I was like, man, I'm right there. I'm I'm right there. Al's right there. We're all right there. And it just takes a little bit of uh, opportunity and making sure you're prepared at the right time that you just never know. It could, it could always be your shot, your chance, and you just got to be ready to seize the moment. And uh, that, that had me pumped up. And I, I told myself, and Al told me too, it's like, man, you're ready for, you're, you're going to kill this guy. And I, you know, I, I had a, I had a little bit of a conflicts, com, uh, confliction with myself going into this fight just because of the last one, you know, and it, it took me sure. everything to keep blocking those replays of, oh, I can't have that happen again. Can't have that happen again. Um, and like I said before, when I, I made one of my posts right before, I think the day before the fight and I said, uh, the opponent isn't Brett Johns. The opponent isn't anybody. The, the opponent is myself. As Aljamain Sterling, if I go out there and I defeat my demons that keep me from pulling the trigger, good things are going to happen. And uh, I did so on Saturday night, that past Saturday night. No doubt good things are happening. Seven and three in the UFC for you. You won three of your last four, and I do hope for your sake you get that Dominic Cruz fight next. I think you deserve it, man. I really do. So congratulations. Enjoy your time off, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you before the next fight, buddy. Thanks for the time. Definitely. I'll make sure I grab a, a couple pints for you guys at the happy hour today. Got <laughs> a baby. Congrats. Shotgun him. <laughs> Aljamain Sterling joining us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And it was a big performance for him, too. I think he's going to like watching that fight back after the fact. I just thought he did go for the finish, even though it didn't materialize and threw a lot of different limbs physically. He has certainly added some muscle mass and he has so much confidence in his grappling and in his wrestling that whenever the fight does go there, he, he just gets – you can just tell this confidence comes over him. So I don't know if he's going to get the Cruz fight, Kenny, though. Dom's yeah. number two in the world, and Dom is pretty selective when it comes to this next fight. And, of course, sure. he hopes it's going to be for a title. So not sure who will be next for Aljo, but a big weekend for him nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's going to be tough to get a fight against Dominic Cruz. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure he, he'd much prefer to wait for the winner of uh, Dillashaw and Garbrandt. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. It is tricky because you have June 1st, Marlon Marais versus Jimmy Rivera. And Aljo would absolutely love to get that Marais fight back. Mm -hmm. But prevailing wisdom is both of those guys are going to, you know, be healthy enough and make weight and fight. Yeah. But you heard him say at the end of the interview, you talk about being ready when those opportunities materialize. And when you are among the elite. If I'm Ray Longo, I'm saying to Aljo, look, man, we can look at June 1st or we can look at July 7th. But to me. You know, to train for one of those dates and put yourself in position, you know, Rafael Asuncao is fighting Rob Font at UFC 226. Mm -hmm. If Rob Font gets injured and Aljo is physically in a position to take that fight, then he gets the number three guy in the world and then he's working towards where he wants to go. So sometimes it's the short notice fights for the top guys that end right. up taking you where you want to get. And again, I know he's going on vacation. He certainly earned that. But if you can somehow maximize the month of May and be ready to go in June or July, you might get that high profile opportunity that may not come from a matchmaker initially. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and for Aljamain, you know, listen, he—I picked him as my fighter to watch. Um, He's—he's he's a great kid um, and and a very good fighter. Um, but I, I think he was a little too worked up in this fight. I thought he should have settled down a little bit more. He was kind of throwing stuff, maybe just yeah. to throw it. He was trying to stay active. And I think once he finds that middle ground of being too relaxed or maybe being too hyped up, 
finding that middle ground of being sharp and ready, um, but not jittery and, and just throwing stuff. He needs to set stuff up a little bit better. And once he settles into that role as a striker and, and really gets calm in there, um, yeah. he's he's going to be that much better. And, and it's going to be that much more difficult to beat a guy like Sterling. So I, I think he's going to learn a lot from both the Marais fight where maybe he was a little bit too relaxed and in this win. Anytime you can make mistakes and get a win, that's a huge yeah. thing. No, and you make a lot of good points as usual, and it brings me back to the fight and the fact that Aljo didn't sit on the stool. And I know he's done that at times throughout his career, but mm-hmm. in terms of settling down, right, and yeah. controlling the breathing in between rounds, right, uh, that's a, a, a wild corner that we all love with Matt Serra and Ray Longo, but maybe in the middle of the round settling him back in a little bit right. would, would solve some of those issues. But a uh, good point nonetheless. Back to Kevin Lee for a second. Yeah. So you know how I feel about this fighter and this performance, but you also know how I feel about missing weight, especially for the guys at the elite levels. And we were in Oklahoma City, and Kevin Lee nearly missed weight for that main event against Michael Chiesa. That was June of last year. So he has sort of been close to missing weight in the past. I know he hadn't before. Um, And I don't think there's a stain on this win necessarily. But on the heels of what Dustin Poirier did a week prior against Justin Gaethje, I think that this win would resonate even more had Kevin Lee not made championship weight, but just made 156 pounds. That being said, I don't think it's going to work against him. This is going to be a lightweight win and not a catchweight win. And uh, Kevin Lee is moving forward in this division, like it or not. And we heard about the struggles, obviously, uh, in the Tony Ferguson fight. Um, you know, he did have uh, a staph infection and, and had a lot of things um, in his personal life that were, that was going on. So he had to deal with a lot of adversity in that one. So, you know, if there was a time to not make way, we could understand that or whatever. But in this fight, I think you kind of have to be embarrassed a little bit and kind of called out to go, wait a sec, what what am I doing here? Am I really doing everything possible with my nutrition, with my training to make weight? and make championship weight because that that is something I'm sure that the UFC considers when they're booking these fights. Can this guy make weight? Are we going to make a mistake in booking this guy for this big main event for this big championship fight? And we can't rely on this guy to make 155 pounds or less. So, you know, for him, he he has to kind of look, stare that in the face and go, okay, am I being the best professional that I can be? Because, you know, as Chandler said, the weight cut doesn't start the week of the fight. It happens before that. What are you yeah. doing you know, in the offseason to make sure your weight isn't out of control? And I think for Dustin Poirier, right, like the calendar did not work in Poirier's favor here, right? Because instead of maybe the UFC having a week off after the Gaethje win, they have a big card in Atlantic City and Kevin Lee has a show-stopping performance and, and finishes Edson Barboza, right? But Friday... A fight week went very well for Dustin Poirier, who was probably thinking at one point in time, this is this is good, right? Because yeah. if this decision does not come down to Conor McGregor or an injured Tony Ferguson and this opponent for Habib Nurmagomedov in November comes down to Kevin Lee and Dustin Poirier, the fact that Kevin Lee missed weight could cost him that championship opportunity. I mean, if Conor is not fighting Habib in November, don't you think? that the, the next opponent, well, I guess Eddie Alvarez is in that mix, but it's going to be Alvarez, Lee, or Poirier, and for Kevin Lee, making 157 pounds could cost him a title shot later this year. Absolutely agree. All right, so that's it on the main event. As far as the co-main event is concerned, I think we're all happy to see Frankie Edgar go back to New Jersey for the first time since 2007 and get a win so soon after the first knockout loss of his career against Brian Ortega. And we know Frankie personally, so to see him walk out after the win with his two boys was just a very special thing. 
The man has spent more than or just under seven hours, I guess, inside that octagon. For me, I mean, it was a clean performance for Frankie. It was dominant enough to get 30 to 27s across the board. But, you know, I didn't love this rematch on paper and, and I didn't love the fight. Yeah, and again, this is another testament to Frankie Edgar, um, a guy who will fight anybody at any time. He proved that this was very, very risky for him. This was the first time that he'd been that he he'd been knocked out in his career. He was going up against a very dangerous and potent striker in Cub Swanson, um, and yeah, it, it could have gone badly for him. It did not, however. Uh, Frankie, I thought, did have a, a, an overall pretty clean performance. Um, Frankie is is one of my heroes, man. He, he's a stud. Uh, awesome to see him get the win. Cub Swanson, another uh, one of the good guys in the sport. If we're breaking down the fight a little bit, let's talk about that. I think for Frankie, he's got to be very careful. The difference between stuttering in the pocket or really selling a feint. And he was kind of getting sh hit with shots in there. And it was the same thing that he kind of did against Ortega. So he has to be really, really careful of kind of bobbing or actually making a feint and doing it from a safe distance because he was almost getting caught with similar shots against Cub yeah. Swanson. He didn't. He was also mixing up his wrestling a little bit more, wasn't able to finish. And I think, again, how about Cub Swanson adjusting his footwork and adjusting his wrestling to stop those takedowns? I thought that was very impressive. However, in doing that, in kind of maybe using his head as kind of a first line of defense or a second line of defense for his wrestling to block the takedowns of Frankie Edgar, he was getting hit with right hands repeatedly. He only had so much distance to kind of back up, then was kind of getting cracked with Frankie's right hand. Um, so I, I thought they, the, the scorecards pretty much had it right. Maybe Cub won the second round. It was close. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought there was, there was some good things happening, but it wasn't the same kind of excitement that we got in the first fight. I agree. And Cub Swanson seemed a little bit surprised that it was 30 to 27 times yeah. three, but uh, wasn't surprised ultimately with the outcome. And right. as he tweeted or wrote on Instagram, it wasn't what he was looking for. Now, he has received some criticism for this performance. And, and I love Killer Cub. At one point, I thought about getting that logo tattooed. But I, I think the criticism here of Cub Swanson in this performance is valid. I just think a lot of us thought we were going to get an urgent, aggressive Cub who was really going to try to maximize this huge rematch that the UFC gave him to start this new contract. And to me, there just wasn't nearly enough here out of Cub Swanson. I thought this was a huge opportunity. I thought he was a live underdog at plus 225. This is a 15-minute fight. I know he's fought in a lot of main events, but you got to go. I, I agree. I, listen, I, I think there's some things he could have done better, no doubt about it. I, I guess from Cub's perspective, this is what I would say to, to kind of defend him a little bit, is he understood that if he moved forward and if he was aggressive like he was in that first fight, he was going to get taken down easily. You know, yeah. that, that's the thing. With, with Frankie and his reactive takedowns, you can't just charge forward. You, you just can't. You're going to get taken down. Cub isn't a D1 wrestler like Frankie is. So he had to be a little bit more cautious. What could he have done to adjust a little bit, be a better counter counterpuncher? And there's just not a whole lot of guys in the UFC, period, that really know how to counterpunch at a high level. And, and Bruce Lee used to say that that's the highest level of striking. Conor McGregor's one of those guys. Conor McGregor's one of those yeah. guys who can counterpunch with the best of them. Why is that so devastating? First of all, you're hitting someone off of their offense, so they don't see it coming. And again, you get those collision-type knockouts that are the most devastating. You know, right. so 
Cup just didn't have that in his repertoire. He doesn't have that in his repertoire at a high level quite yet. Uh, he was moving better. He was able to stop the takedowns and move backwards, but in that process wasn't able to let his hands go. And and this is kind of his development as a striker. He, he showed improvements, and, and he's got a little bit to go, man. Cub, Cub is an excellent fighter. He will learn from this, and I'm sure he'll be, be, ba he'll be back better from this. And it's easy for me to sit here, of course, as a non-fighter, right, a and give my opinion that you probably hear half the time and you're just rolling your eyes even though you're polite about it. But, yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done, especially at the elite levels, right? And even Aljamain Sterling being very honest in talking about a matchup with John Dodson, right? And he'll say that same thing to Sean Shelby, right, if they try to put that fight together. And sometimes in a stylistic matchup like that, what you do get is a little bit of a staring contest. Well, I just— you're yeah. not wrong. No, you're not wrong at all. And I think, you know, it comes down to uh, looking at your game and seeing what skills you can bring to the table. And, and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't based on what you have or, or yeah. based on what you're trying to do. And right. um, I, I totally get it. You know, you know, I'm criticizing uh, every fighter out there, whether they win or lose. I'm just trying to look at ways that they can be better and, and, and kind of educate the fans a little bit. But um, I know you, you're not doing it to – to be hard yeah, on, no, on of course, and, and of it course. could have been a better fight. It could have been a better fight. There's no doubt about that, man. I mean, absolutely. And I think it comes from a place as just a fan. Yeah. And obviously I have a, a, a deeper Cubs. personal relationship with Frankie Edgar, but wow, they're giving Cub Swanson this Edgar rematch. Let's see if he can maximize it. So right. I get excited as a fan for that opportunity. Yes. And then before you blink 15 minutes are over and you just sort of feel a little bit shortchanged. Right. But a lot of that, of course, has to do with Edgar and, and the threat of the takedown and everything else. All right. want to shout out a couple other winners here, Kenny. I know you saw most of this fight card. David Branch um, may be underappreciated wow. no more after a massive knockout against Tiago Maheta Santos. Dan Hooker, I think all of a sudden, very relevant here at 155 pounds, knocks out Jim Miller with a knee. There's a whole conversation there on Jim Miller now, 29 fights in. Perhaps his days against the elite are over. Um, also a big win for Ryan LaFleur against Alex Garcia. Sir Bahadur Zada with a beautiful body shot to spell the beginning of the end for Luan Chagas. Really a, a nice fight card in Atlantic City, Kenny. Of those guys, Branch, Hooker, Bahadur Zada, who do you like? Um, I mean, tough to pick, all with excellent performances and, and excellent knockouts. Um, I want to talk about Branch, a guy that I've trained with, uh, uh, one of the good guys in the sport. Um, he was facing a very big and dangerous Santos. Uh, Santos looked a little too jittery. He was throwing a lot. He was trying to knock out Branch with one shot at a time. Branch was staying composed and patient. He was waiting, waiting. You're like, I don't know if there's going to go well for Branch here. Santos is spazzing. He's just looking for that one-punch knockout. But Branch stayed calm and composed, and it was his one shot uh, that did the deal on Santos. Uh, tremendous knockout there. Hooker's a guy you got to watch out for, man. Uh, the hangman. Uh, again, he first came on our radar probably when he beat Hatsu Hiyoki back in the day when we called that fight. Right. Um, and uh, I think he's really putting his striking together. I think he was always calm and composed, and he kind of had that quality of, of really not being phased by too much and not being intimidated by, his, by the competition. Um, but now I think from training consistently with guys like Israel Adesanya uh, and kind of finding what works for his game, he's going to be someone to watch, man. He's kind of a dark horse in that division that yeah. don't be surprised if you see him fight for a belt uh, in the future, man. I, I think uh, the potential is high for someone like uh, the hangman. And obviously he used to ply his trade as a featherweight and now not unlike Ally Aquinta fighting in a more natural weight class at 155 pounds. He I looks say healthier. You yeah. know, these guys, Iaquinta and Gaethje, they're not cutting a lot of weight yeah. against somebody like Kevin Lee, who obviously looks massive in there. 
You know, I texted our producer, Zach Candy. I mean, Kevin Lee looked massive when yeah. he took that octagon on Saturday night. Um, and, and maybe that's because he didn't uh, – well – uh, I don't know why he, <laughs> he, he looked massive. We'll just put it there. But yeah, I agree with you on Dan Hooker. Now yeah. he did call out Paul Felder after the fact and Felder, despite the fact that Hooker is not ranked, seemed receptive to it. You know, maybe that fight makes some sense. I, I thought Felder did have his eye on guys ranked above him, but at least in that moment, Paul didn't seem surprised and seemed willing, at least if it would be a main event. I thought that'd be a great fight. Uh, two yeah. excellent strikers. Um, I, and again, it's a testament to the confidence of Dan, uh, Dan the Hangman Hooker right now that he's calling out uh, Felder, uh, who, who's highly yeah. regarded. Um, it's a dangerous fight for him. Um, I, I would love to see it. I think it makes yeah. sense. And he certainly made some headlines. He did it respectfully, but, you yeah. know, you call out the guy with the microphone. Say it, it makes to his a lot face. Not, yeah. many, not many fighters are going to say that to your face. Yeah. That was cool. And, and I know New Zealand's excited because this is a true Kiwi and somebody who lays claim to New Zealand, right? We have some of these guys like Robert Whitaker who were born there, but they are really associated with Australia. Yeah. So uh, I know New Zealand is happy for Dan Hooker, and so are we. All right, before we go – I got this one quick non-MMA item that I just want to get your thoughts on, and I don't know how much you've heard about this. So the University of Central Florida, UCF, right? It's UCF, not to be confused with, with UFC. College football team, they went 13-0 this past season. That included a win over Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So they were the only undefeated team in D1 or, or FBS, whatever they're calling it now. So they did not, though, get a chance to play for the national championship game. They earned a right in the Peach Bowl. They beat Auburn. Um, they didn't qualify for the college football playoffs, so therefore they were not eligible to win college football's national championship. But despite that, the school is laying claim to a national title. So they have championship rings, and now on the facade at the stadium, it says 2017 national champions. And real quick, <laughs> this from the athletic director, Danny White. We're trying to build our program. We feel very strongly as the only undefeated team and having beat Auburn, who beat both teams competing for the national championship, right? Auburn did beat Alabama and Georgia, who competed for the national title, that we have an extremely sound case to claim the crown. So this I, I live in Florida, right? This is an amazing accomplishment for yeah. these kids. I love the championship rings that they can show their family where you lose me is the 2017 national champions on the facade. Yeah. I mean, you come in there as a visiting player next year, right? <laughs> There's your source of, of trash talk. It's like, you guys got the fucking national champions up on the facade. You didn't even play in the national title game, you know? Yeah. I like the rings, but I think this is just a, a little bit of a stretch, bordering on embarrassing if that's not too harsh. Oh, it's kind of weird in that, um, again, you know, we're kind of in this time and age where we're creating our own truths, you know? Uh it's a strange thing. Listen, put undefeated, undefeated, you know, yeah. two, th 2017 or 2018, whatever it is, um, and to have that on the stadium. But to say you're the national champs and to get rings that say national champs, what about undefeated rings? That's fine, but you weren't in the title game at the end of the day, right? I mean, isn't well, that I mean. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like, are there local broadcasters going to say, like, they're defending a national title? I mean, you know, there's yeah. no official acknowledgement, obviously, by and, the NCAA. And I, why didn't I, the school – again, I, I don't – I'm sure there's more to it. I'm a little bit ignorant as far as creating the schedule for, you know, the, those games. But right. – so are, are they going to create a, a tougher schedule now so they can – because I would assume that's why they weren't in the playoffs. They were undefeated, but they weren't playing, right. you know, the SEC teams, right? 
Yep, look at the like soccer the big guy just totally locked in to <laughs> what the RPI and everything else. No, exactly right. You strength of schedule and and So are they going to do that moving forward now? Well, so start the schedule so the schedule is already done. You know, a lot of the big games, right? Like Notre Dame has games on their schedule in the year 2029. Okay. Right? Yeah, so right? it's already Against been established. Alabama, I believe, right? So there but obviously that is a huge motivation and for the incoming coach obviously. I mean, their head coach Scott Frost took a seven-year, $35 million deal with Nebraska prior to even coaching in the Peach Bowl. He did coach that game and, mm-hmm. and finished off the season with this undefeated team. But that coach was already moving on to Nebraska, and the new coach, uh, I got his name somewhere, Josh Heupel, former quarterback, is now the new head coach. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just found it interesting. I was all for the championship rings, and then when I saw the, the 2017 national champions on the facade, I had to, <laughs> to bring it up um, because I just I can't even believe that they put that up there. But That's uh, good. I tell everybody I'm a, I'm a world champion UFC fighter so that's good that's fine that's good yeah hey close enough close enough <laughs> and you can tell too how he thought he was going to fight frankie edgar because you just know exactly how you would prepare to beat that guy um all right before we go quickly if you have emailed the show to make picks against kenny florian in the main event challenge i have all of your submissions you are all in the queue even if i don't reply to you directly you are all on the list we have about 50 or 60 names right now, so I won't be able to get to all of you over the course of the year. If you haven't already submitted your name, going to be tough for us to get to you this year. Also, if you've reached out asking for my fighter cards, these are the cards that I use on the broadcast. I have those requests as well. I'm going to send out all of those fighter cards, but I can't send you the Amanda Nunes card until she fights at UFC 224. So, And, and because 2018 has been rough on me, uh, I'm actually looking for the most ignorant UFC fans yeah. we can find. Because I, I have some I have some ground to make up here. So by the way, Emma you. took Emma took you down four three last See? week. See, I knew it. She I she picked it. she picked Kevin Lee in the fifth round. So uh, that's harsh. Emma, needless to say, thanks we'll Emma. Be, um, all right, thanks also to Ben Wasorik, Janko, Neil Foley, Danny, everybody else associated with this fine program. Uh, thanks to Ray Longo, Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I think we're off next week, I believe, on April 30th, but we'll be back with our UFC 224 preview Monday, May 7th at the outset of fight week for UFC 224. Nunes versus Pennington from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. All right, with that, for the flow and everybody else, thank you all for listening, for watching. Longo's fucking crazy. Until next week, you'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden. Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. 
Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 